You're listening to an audio message from Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. For more information, visit our website at harvestgranger.org. Everybody grab your Bible, and I want you to open it up to Psalm 92. I'll meet you there in just a minute. I need to check some homework assignments that I gave last week. Remember that homework assignment? Find the chair and sit in it for five minutes and get your Bible open. Do you remember that? And uh, how many of you every day spent at least five minutes sitting with Jesus with his word open? Raise those hands, checking homework, checking homework. Great, great, great. You can put those down. Now, you realize that the five minutes was just a trick, right? That was just to get you in the chair. How many of you found out you needed a little longer than five minutes to go a little deeper? Yeah, see, that was just a trick. It was just to get you in the chair. And uh, on Tuesday, Micah and I had the opportunity of leading chapel at Cedarville University. On the way back home, we were discussing this message. So last week was about going deeper in the Word. This week, I told Micah, is about going deeper in the church. And when I said that, he said, dude, I know it's hard for you to imagine Micah saying that, but that's what he said to me. Dude, I have got your scripture text for this week. And he opened up to the passage I just asked you to open up, and this is what he read. Look down at verse 12. The righteous flourish like a palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. You remember how we saw from Ephesians chapter 3 that we're to be rooted and grounded in love, the root system, and we're to be like that tree that doesn't get blown over by the storms of life. You're to be like this palm tree and like a cedar in Lebanon. Then verse 13, they, these righteous people, they are planted in the house of the Lord. Can you imagine planted in the soil that is the house of the Lord? Do you get it? And so the house of the Lord is the soil that grows this palm tree and grows this cedar in Lebanon. You're to be like that. But you can't grow like a cedar unless you're planted in the house of the Lord. Verse 14, they still bear fruit in old age. Aren't you excited about that? Got a 74-year-old down here on the front row saying, I want to bear some fruit. That's awesome. And verse 15, well, it, it says, they, they still bear fruit in old age. They are even full of sap. You're full of sap, Ken. That's, that's what the Bible says about you. Full of sap and green. And the reason for all that is to declare the Lord is upright. He is my rock. There is no unrighteousness in him. Thank you. You can be seated. Now, as we dive into this passage, I'm just going to tell you up front, I am absolutely unapologetic about what I'm asking you to do here this morning. All of you, whether you are a first-time visitor to this church or whether you have been here from ground zero, I'm calling all of us to go deeper in the house of the Lord. You need to get planted in the house, okay? So who all's here? Well, there are probably some first-time visitors. I meet people every Sunday. It's their first time here. They're kind of walking around wondering, am I in the right place? And is this safe? And what are they going to say to me? And are they going to ask me to do something weird? Well, none of that's going to happen, but I am going to ask you to go deeper. So maybe for you, going deeper as a first-timer here this morning just means you're going to lean in and you're going to listen and you're going to respond, maybe even come back next week and 
Maybe next week you're going to bring a Bible because you realize they actually read this thing around here and it's one of those churches. Okay, so, so going deeper may need to be a little more prepared next time. And so we welcome you back. But if you're one that's kind of been, you know, you've been a few times and maybe you're kind of a window shopper and you just kind of wonder if there's anything on the inside in there that I might need and I'm not quite sure I'm ready to pay the full price. Well, come on in a little deeper and um, become more regular in your attendance. Some of you are regular attendance. That's one of the reasons that we keep asking you to fill out that friendship register is we want to know that you're here. We want to know how often people are here. And, and so thanks for doing that. Some of you are regular attenders, but you have not yet become a member of Harvest Bible Chapel. Where are the members? Hold up the hands. Where are all the members of the, of the Harvest Bible Chapel? Look around. These, these people... These are the roots. These people have planted themselves. They don't just attend church. They have planted themselves in this church. And so maybe for you, if you have been a regular attender, maybe it's time for you to become a member. Now, ironically, there is a membership class taking place today at 5 o'clock p.m. And I'm expecting 150 people to be at this thing, okay? So uh, come on in and become a member. And just come to the class and find out if it's too scary or, you know, what these people believe, if it's what you believe. We would like to invite you into membership of this church. Now, if you're a member of this church, the first five minutes of this message has not been very convicting for you. If you're a member... Maybe you need to go a little bit deeper by becoming a part of a small group. And if you're a member of a small group, maybe you need to become the apprentice in that small group. If you're the apprentice, maybe it's time for you to say, I'm ready to lead that small group. If you're a small group leader, where's all the small group leaders? Small group leaders, lift their hands. These people are carrying a big load. If, how could they go deeper? By multiplying that small group and creating another small group leader and going from just a first-time visitor, a regular attender, a member, a contributor, a leader, now a planter. Because we make disciples that make disciples and we plant churches that plant churches. And so there's room for all of us to go deeper into the house of the Lord. So we need to talk about this phrase here. What is this house of of the Lord. We have to remember where we're reading in our Bibles. We're reading in a time where there was actually a physical place, the temple or the sanctuary, where God's people would gather to experience the presence of God. It had a courtyard where it was kind of the, the gathering place and there was a lot of activity out there and there were places for ceremonial cleansing out there and it was kind of a preparation time to come a little deeper into this physical temple where the presence of God resided. And so in Psalm 92 when we read about them being planted in the house of the Lord. He's talking about a physical place they would go to. This was the place where you experienced the presence of God. Now here we are, fast forward in 2016. How many of you understand there is no longer a need for a physical temple because God does not dwell in temples made with human hands. And so it's very important as we gather here this morning, we realize this Walls, roof, 52277 Hickory Road is not the temple. 
This is not where God lives. Did you know that? God, this is not God's house in that sense because we understand from the New Testament that you individually, your body is the temple and it is God's spirit that resides in you. So how can we apply this being planted in the house of the Lord to where we are today? Well, we do that very simply when we understand what 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5 says about the individual members of the church. This is what it says. It says you, singular, are a living stone. It actually says living stones, but he's talking to a group of individuals. So you as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house. There it is. What is the modern day house of the Lord? It is the gathered worship experience of individual stones, members of Christ's body, who gather together and experience the presence of God in a way that is different than you experienced sitting alone in the chair with your Bible open. Do you understand what we're saying? You're an important part of the house. Every stone is important. There are some stones that are boulders. They're that important. There are some stones that are small as sand, but they all work together to build the house. Look at your neighbor right now and say, I'm a stone. Everybody do that. I am a stone. I am a stone. Now listen, what does that mean when you choose not to come to church? Do you know what that means? Pieces of the house are missing when you're not here. That means that when the house is gathered and you're not here, there may be a hole in the roof. The rest of us might get wet. Or maybe there's a foundational piece over here that's so important to the structure that it weakens the wall. Every stone is important in building the house. So let's understand what it means to be a house. How many of you have a house? You have a house? Some of you have an apartment, that's cool. Um, A house is easily understood, first of all, as the place where the father dwells. How many fathers out there, all right? How many of you fathers have had this experience of having small children under the age of five, you've been away at work all day long, and you come home, the garage door goes up, the children hear you coming, and before you can even step in the threshold of the door, there are children that come running from the four corners of the house and wrap themselves around each leg, and you walk through the house with children on your legs. How many of you have had this experience? They're so happy to see their father. They love their father. There is unashamed adoration and clinging to the father. Isn't that a wonderful experience? Well, I don't know about you, but my five-year-old cute children grew up and turned into grumpy teenagers. Anybody else have this experience? Now when I come home with a house full of teenagers, I have to go on a search and destroy mission looking for a child to express any awareness that the father is in the house. I walk into their room. Hey, dad's home. What's up? That's all I get. 
That's the same kid that used to be so cute wrapping around my leg. Now listen, when you come to the house of the Lord, you you are to be like the five-year-old that is passionate about welcoming the father into the house. But so many of you act like the grumpy teenager. What's up? Can I have some money? I need some blessing, you know? And that's, that's true. Is, is in, the, in the house, that's okay. In the house, everybody in the house benefits from the Father's provision. I don't know about you. Um, I noticed within the last 24 hours, every child in my house has had their hands on my billfold. Dad, I need some money. I need some money. You got some money? I need some money. And that's what the father's to do. He's to provide for the needs of the children. And so we gather in the house of the Lord to experience the father's provision. And in the house of the Lord, we not only experience the father's provision, but we, we come into the house of the Lord because it's in the house that we get fed. Now we've been talking about these fathers here. How many of you fathers are grateful there is somebody in the family that knows how to prepare a meal better than you? Okay? And there is one thing that will get the family together. You know what it is, right? If there's food at the table, the children will come running, right? And they will eat the food. And so we gather around the table because we all need to eat. We all need to get fed. That's what happens in the house of the Lord. In the house is where we get fed. And the house is where the family shares responsibility. At least they're supposed to share responsibility. We understand that in the house, messes are made. And how many of you feel like everybody does a pretty good job at their responsibility of making the messes, but very few people in the house understand the responsibility of cleaning up the messes, right? And so we understand that in the house, sometimes it gets messy, but everybody is to share the load. Can I get an amen from a mom out there? Is anybody, did you hear that, teenagers? Your moms out there have been praying that you would understand what it means to live in her house. I'm praying that you would understand what it means to live in the house of the Lord because there are some people that come to church and you gripe about the messiness in the church, but you're not sharing the load of cleaning up the messes in the church. In the house of the Lord, there is shared responsibility. And in the house, that's where the family launches from and returns to. No matter what else is on your agenda, a job, school, relationships, all the things on your priority list, you know at the end of the day, you're coming home and you're gonna start your day in that very same house. That's what's happening right now. No matter what else was going on in your week, no matter how important you think it was, how stressful or how, tra- how, how tragic it was, we return to the house and we launch from the house. What's happening right now is not one of the things on your schedule. We're in the house of the Lord. This is where we have returned to, and when we dismiss, this will be a place where we launch from, knowing that we're coming right back to the house 
it's our privilege and responsibility to be planted in the house of the Lord. Are you planted in the house? We understand that church is not just a place we come to, it is a place where we plant our lives and grow from. What does it mean to be planted? Well, it could mean a lot of different things. It could mean a lot more than being a member, but it certainly does not mean less. You're gonna have a hard time convincing anybody that you are planted in the house of the Lord if you have not made yourself available for membership. So again, maybe the next thing on your agenda is to make sure you've taken that step into membership. Now we need to understand this on a spiritual level. If you have had the experience of hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ, understanding that what he did on that cross was for your payment of sin and you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord of your life and had your spirit awakened by the power of God and you are a Christian, you've embraced Christ by faith, then in that moment, you were planted in the house of the Lord. You became a part of the universal church, we might say the invisible church of Christ. All believers everywhere on the planet are planted in the house, members of the church. But listen, we we understand it is a theological impossibility to be connected to the church but not connected to Christ. Do you understand that? You cannot be a member of the church if you have not surrendered your life to the lordship of Jesus Christ. You can't be connected to the church and disconnected from Christ. That's a theological impossibility. Everybody agree? Listen, if that is true, this next statement is true as well. It is a theological impossibility for you to be connected to Christ and disconnected from his church. If somehow you think Jesus is cool and we have our own little relationship and I like sitting in the chair and reading my Bible and sometimes going to Starbucks and the Holy Spirit just really comes in that time and it's so special to me. (laughs) But you have no connection to a local body that is the church of Christ, you don't understand church. Let me just explain to you from the New Testament a summary of what we know about church. We'll do it in one statement. The church, the local church, is the body of Christ, 1 Corinthians 12, that was purchased by the blood of Christ, Acts chapter 20, to become the bride of Christ, Ephesians chapter five. You understand these three things? I didn't even alliterate those. Those were just in the text. What does it mean to be the body of Christ? And some of you that would be out there and would kind of challenge the whole idea of biblical membership in a church, I realize that is so old school. Churches are not even talking about membership anymore because they realize that people are just not into membership anymore. Fine, fine, great. Um, How about friendship? Are you into friendship? Everybody want a friend? People that are committed to you and can encourage you and feel like you're supported by those friends? How about ownership? Anybody excited about ownership? You just don't wanna just be a renter, you wanna feel like you have some ownership over this thing? 
And so nobody's into membership. Everybody's into friendship. Everybody's into ownership. Everybody's into partnership. Anybody want a partner to kind of share the load? Okay, that's what we're talking about. To be a member of the body of Christ means that it's not all my responsibility, but my responsibility is needed in the body. It's the analogy in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 where it says not everybody's a foot, not everybody's an eye, not everybody's an ear. I get to be the mouth. But you're no less important. Maybe you're the hypothalamus in the body of Christ, right? You can live without an ear, kind of hard to live without a hypothalamus, and yet you may never get any attention, you never get noticed until there's something going wrong and then the whole body's hurting. And so we need to understand how important it is to be a member connected to every other member of the body. It was purchased by Christ. He paid a high price, his own blood. That's how valuable we are to Christ. And then this, he wanted to make us, his church, the bride of Christ. It's an incredible analogy that shows us how much love Christ has for the church. You cannot love Christ and not love his church. And so if you really love Christ, you're gonna love what Christ loves, namely his church. A few years ago, Joshua Harris wrote a book called Stop Dating the Church. It's a great analogy, isn't it? Thinking about the love relationship that Christ has with the church. How many of you guys remember the first time you laid eyes on your future bride? Remember that? You better smile as you lift that hand, guys. Remember that? Remember that? It's like, hey, hey, whoa, hey. I I think I I might want to make a move here, right? And so what you began to do is something probably the equivalent of, 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 of flirting, right? I mean, you kind of stood up straight, you know. Maybe you kind of gulped real hard and you approached and you laid down that line, you know, and, and, and you tried to get her to notice you. And, and maybe you gulped real hard and maybe you asked a friend to kind of let her know that you, you were somebody she should be interested in. And maybe you formed that first date and you went out and, and you're, you're kind of checking each other out and, and you're disclosing just enough information so that it, it, we're not committed to anything here, right? We're, there's no obligation that we're ever gonna have another date. Just because I showed up this time doesn't mean I'm gonna show up again. We're just kind of interested in, 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 do you remember that whole process? The awkwardness of that. But then at some point, you, you realized, hey, this was worth the risk, and maybe you entered into a dating relationship. You stopped dating other people, right? And maybe that's what you've done here this morning in a relationship to the church. You, you, it kind of looked attractive from the outside, and so you kind of flirted with it a little bit, and, and you kind of expressed your interest, but then you entered into this dating relationship. You stopped going to other churches, okay? Because I'm dating this one, right? And uh, maybe you changed your Facebook status, right? We're in a relationship now, right? Now, now there's no commitment here, okay? There's no commit. Don't don't expect me to show. Don't expect me to serve you unconditionally. But I kind of like this, and you're kind of cute, and and um, uh, it, it, we just we just have few expectations, but not a whole lot. And but there's no commitment, right? Well, at some point, if you've ever been in this type of relationship. 
somebody in that relationship is going to pull out the initials DTR. Know what those stand for? Define, did you hear the, the echo from the youth group over here, okay? The, what does that mean? Define the relationship. Put a ring on it for crying out loud, okay? Let me tell me how much you love me and how much you think I'm awesome and I'm going to spend the rest of my life. Put a ring on it for crying out loud, okay? There has to be a point at which you declare your intentions, announce to the world, we are married, okay? We are in this for better, for worse, richer, for poor, sickness and health, forsaking all others, as long as we both shall live. Get it? It's a commitment. And that's why we emphasize the relationship that Christ has with his church, it's exactly what he's done. He's committed his life to it. He laid down his life for it. He loves his bride. He's never giving up on her as ugly as the bride is at times. He has committed to wash her and to clean her and make her more radiantly beautiful than she was when he met her. Her. That's what Christ is doing. And so in response, we as the bride respond to him with a reciprocal commitment. I'm committed to you the way you're committed to me. Now, if you are married and you've exchanged those vows, you've declared your intentions, you put a ring on it, you know there's one more phase here. It's making babies, all right? Now, at that point, you start multiplying yourself because healthy things multiply, right? Now, I want to be sensitive to those of you that struggle with infertility and you're married. You'd love to have babies, and for whatever reason, it's not happening. One in six couples are kind of in that. But when the bodies are healthy, it is the natural overflow of the marriage to multiply. And all of a sudden, these new creatures show up that are dependent upon you and they're little, and they're annoying, and they're messy, and they can't take a response. They have to, you have to hold their hand, you have to instruct them, sometimes you have to discipline them. Am I describing a parenting relationship? No, I'm describing what happens in the church. Because these disciples make baby disciples and they turn into adolescent disciples and you have to hold their hand, you have to instruct them, sometimes you have to discipline them and it is messy at times. And that is what is keeping some of you from committing to the church is because you know how messy it is. You showed up here this morning kind of bruised and beaten from whatever other church you came out of. Now listen, I, I have discovered there are some amazing churches in our community with some amazing pastors. As a matter of fact, my, my schedule the next week is filled lunches and coffees with local pastors. And if you're coming to our church because you're mad at the last church you came out of, because the last pastor was lame, don't you come up to me and talk about your lame pastor because you're talking to a lame pastor and that dude is on my team, okay? So don't come here thinking that I'm going to be any better or this church is going to be any better than your last experience. At some point, you're going to be as disappointed in us as you were in your last church. Maybe the best thing for you would be go back to your 
church and your pastor and rebuild that relationship and give your life serving that pastor and his mission for the church. Maybe that's the next thing you need to do to go deeper in your relationship at church. But if you came here to sit on the sidelines because you got hurt in the last church and you're not willing to go deep and get dirty because that's what happens when you plant something, you get dirty, you plant yourself in the life of the church. Listen, you need to go deeper. You may need to go deeper here, you may need to go deeper there, but stop church hopping and plant yourself. Root yourself in the house of the Lord. Your relationship with Christ will go no deeper than your relationship with the local church. I'm calling you deeper. You say, I don't don't know. I know what the excuses are out there. I've heard them all. Here's five excuses people give for not being a member of the church. Number one, the roof will fall in on me. Have you heard that? Really? Really? We, we spent $92,000 to upgrade the roof so it would not fall on you, okay? It's not, what you're actually saying is, I don't believe God loves me. I'm so bad that somehow to be connected with his church, he would hurt me. That's just a wrong view of church and it's a wrong view of God. Other people would say, the church is full of hypocrites. That's why I don't join it. Just think about that statement. What you're implying is you're not one. If you do find a church that doesn't have hypocrites in it, please don't join that one. You will run it. Because you are just as much the hypocrite as anybody in the church. The only difference is the people planted in the church and the people outside the church is the people in the church realize we're hypocrites. We're trying to get better by the grace of God to clean us up. We admit our hypocrisy and we need God to go to work in our lives. So why don't you come and be a part of the process of the Recovering Hypocrites Association (laughs) called the local church, all right? So other people would say, um, no, the reason, why, the reason they want me to join is because they want my money. That's why they want me to join. So what are you saying? What you're saying is, I want my money. I'm not going to give anything that I make to anything other than that which serves my purposes. Really? That's what your life's about? Listen, what we're doing here when we pass that offering bag or you give online or you text to give, what we're doing in is we are prying our greedy little fingers off of that which God has graciously given to us to prove that my heart needs to let go of stuff because that which I give has a tendency to grab hold of me. And so I give it not because the church needs it. I give it because I need to let go of stuff that can wrap itself around me and strangle me. And if you don't understand that, then you need to go deeper. When people throw in, what we're saying is we're so grateful for what God has given us, we give back a portion to him to fund his work in the local church so we can reach people like you who don't ever give anything. That's how great this church is. It's spending its money to try to get this message to you, to invite you to go deeper into relationship with him and his church. Other people say, I don't believe in organized religion. 
I, I, I hear that. Anybody ever heard that? I have a standard line when people say that to me. So you believe in disorganized religion? That's what you believe in? Is that what you wanna be a part of? Listen, a body is organized. Have you noticed? It has some symmetry to it. It has some vital function. Every member is different. A body is organized. Who'd wanna be a part of a disorganized body? That would be weird. And so a healthy organism is one that is organized for functionality. That's what a body does, it's organized. And other people would just say, I'm just too busy. I don't have anything left to give. What you really mean is, I love other things more than what God loves best. Soccer, um, school, recreation, day at the lake. I mean, there's a thousand things, and they're all good, and they're all things that should be appropriately enjoyed. But those who have planted themselves in the church understand not only do I need this place, I enjoy this place. It's the thrill of my heart to connect with others that are giving their lives for the mission that God is on. So what would happen if you were to become planted in the house of the Lord? I wanna give you four things and we'll be done. Here it is. First of all, my rhythms would revolve around God's presence. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord, their rhythms revolve around God's presence. We're gonna see that here from Psalm 92. Look at verse one. I'm sorry, Psalm 92. Now, I want you to, I wanna share a secret with you about reading the Psalms. Do you see verse one in Psalm 92? How many of you notice there's a line above verse one? Did you know that that part's inspired too? And so don't start with verse one, start with the prologue, which says this in Psalm 92, a psalm, that's helpful, a song for the Sabbath. What we have in Psalm 92 are the lyrics of a song that was to be sung every seven days, like clockwork. There was a time when God's people were to assemble as the gathered collection of redeemed people on the earth. And that's what we do here every weekend, every seven days, it happens again. We have the opportunity to get our rhythm back, to return to and launch from the house of the Lord. It goes on in verse one and says, it is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. There's the second rhythm we see. Not only every seven days, but every 12 hours I am to get in the presence of God. In the morning when I wake up to address the Lord, God, my day belongs to you, my mind belongs to you. I'm gonna get your word open, I'm gonna ask you to fill me with your spirit. Would you give me marching orders for the day? And then maybe 12 hours later, or whenever you go to bed, like, Lord, last thought on my mind, I wanna thank you for all the good things you did today, praise you for the work, forgive me of the sin, the way that I messed it up today, and God, I'm gonna go to bed tonight, excited to see you in the morning every morning, every night, I'm to be reminded of how good it is to be in the presence of the Lord. And then verse three, to the music of the lute, the harp, to the melody of the lyre. Now, I don't think we had a lute, a harp, or a lyre up here in the platform, but I think they were upgrades over whatever those instruments were. So, and aren't you appreciative of people that can actually keep a rhythm while they're playing music? 
right? So, and some you're like, yeah, because I can't. Well, that's why we have people that know how to do that, so to help the rest of us, okay? To clap on the right beat and stuff. There's a rhythm to music, and there is, a, there, there is an emotional response that goes along with playing an instrument and writing a lyric and singing a song. So people who have planted themselves in the house of the Lord, they bring a song. We don't sing because we put lyrics up on the screen and have some people that have rehearsed some music and sit back and watch them. You don't come to church like you go to a concert. You bring your song and you're so grateful and your heart has such joy and you're so glad to be in the house of the Lord that your heart's gonna explode if you don't open your mouth. You bring your song and when you're planted in the house of the Lord, Nobody has to tell you to come early. Nobody has to tell you to sit up front. Nobody has you to sing louder. It is your joy, it's the expression of your heart, it's the rhythm, I gotta get back, I gotta sing the song, I gotta lift the praise. Here's the second thing, if you plant yourself in the house of the Lord, my heart rejoices in God's work. Look at verse four. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands, I sing for joy. When we gather together, we remind ourselves of the work that God is doing in us and through us. And what the work that God has done for us. We tell the stories of the activity of God in our lives during this week, and our heart rejoices in the things that God is doing. Not only do you rejoice in the work, you participate in the work. Not only what God is, the work that God has done for you, but the work that God wants to do through you. You've already heard here this morning, there is some work to be done, and there are some workers that are needed for you to plant yourself deeper this year in the house of the Lord may mean that you need to find a place to work in the house of the Lord. And maybe it for you means just walking down that hallway and meeting Michelle and say, I don't know what I'm getting myself into, but I'm available and we'll show you. Maybe kids are not your thing, maybe it's teenagers. And uh, Pastor Tyler would love to welcome you as one of the youth workers here in our church. Maybe for others of you, you're allergic to teenagers and you're allergic to teenagers and maybe you, you would just like to be out on the parking lot and, and it, it, there's plenty of work to be done. For some of you that are sitting, soaking, getting fat in a small group, it's time to exercise and lead a small group. And so there's deeper levels of planting yourself we have a way of kind of measuring it around here. It's called a funnel. Every week when we gather, what you're experiencing right now, you are at the top of the funnel. It's what we call a high-impact, window-rattling, earth-shattering, life-altering worship service. That's what we're going for every Sunday. That's the top of the funnel. If you've never gone deeper than that, you've not yet embraced what it means not only to worship Christ, but to walk with Christ in fellowship with other believers, and even at the deepest level, to work. It's worship, walk, work. Everybody needs to shoulder kingdom responsibility weekly as they plant themselves in the house of the Lord. And so if you've not yet made yourself available for work, 
then come and talk to us. Talk to somebody you see working around here. We will plug you in. And again, tonight at five o'clock, we'll tell you some of the needs that go on. Not only rejoice in God's work, but use your work to invest in God's work. Most of you have an income. Praise God for an income. Most of you wish it was a higher income. And most of you are sitting out there thinking, if I made more, I'd give more. Do you understand that that is a false statement? The people that make the most give the least, percentage-wise. And so don't wait till you make more to give at a deeper level. Use whatever God has given to give first and best to the work of the Lord. What you do 40 hours a week is to fund not just your household, but the house of the Lord and the work that goes on here. And as people have done that faithfully, you've seen the fruit of what we can do in adding pastors and developing ministries and reaching out and providing space. All of those things are the way that we participate and rejoice in the work of the Lord. The third thing, when I'm planted in the house of the Lord, I will do is my thoughts dive deep into God's thoughts. Look at verse five. How great are your works, O Lord, your thoughts are very deep. The deep things of God is what we wrap our minds around when we come into the house of the Lord. It's a great verse in Psalm 42, verse seven. It says this, deep calls to deep. At the roar of your waterfalls, all the breakers and your waves have gone over me. I love the image behind me right now. It gives that idea that there is an ocean of depth out there for those that will hear God calling them deeper. Deep calls to deep. You know what that means? The deep thoughts of God are calling to the deepest parts of you. Can you hear God calling you deeper? He wants you to go deeper. Don't just think about shallow things and shallow realities. So what do we do when we come to church? Let me suggest that you bring some things when you come to the house of the Lord. Number one, bring your body. That will help you get here, okay? Bring your body. Everything that God's gonna give you is gonna come through your ear, your eye, the work that you're gonna do, you're gonna do it with your hands, and so you gotta bring your body, make your body available. Bring your body, but secondly, bring your song. Don't wait for the songs up here. Bring a song in your heart so that you can erupt when we finally sing together as the gathered body in the house of the Lord. Bring your body, bring your song. Number three, bring your Bible. Why? Because that's where we find the deep thoughts of God. Bring your Bible, bring your brain and contemplate the deep thoughts of God. And then finally, bring your brokenness. Look at verse 10. You have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox. How many of you brought your horn this morning? You have a horn coming out of your head right now. Like what in the world is that talking about? What's a horn? What, I have a horn? What? You, you may not even understand that. Let me ask you this. How many of you, how many deer hunters do I have out there? Any deer hunters? How many of you have shot a trophy buck? Anybody? How many wonder, is your lifelong dream to even see a trophy buck? What is a trophy buck? It's horns. I mean, these incredible horns. And, and what it displays 
is maturity, strength, and majesty. And God says, that's what he wants to do in you. He wants to bring maturity, strength, and majesty from you. Then notice this. You have poured over me fresh oil. Oil had a lot of different purposes in the Old Testament. I mean, you have to think about it. You could use oil to polish those horns on, on an animal, maybe for display. Um, you would use oil for um, medicinal purposes in a time when there weren't antibiotics, but it could have an e- a healing effect as an ointment. Um, oil would have a, an anointing purpose. It was used in worship to signify that, that God had set this person apart. But maybe the most practical use for oil was it was fuel. Before a time of electricity, the only light you had was a lamp that was fueled by, by oil. And so he's using that analogy of what happens in the house of the Lord. I am fueled, I am refreshed. You see, when you plant yourself deep in the house of the Lord, my life displays and is energized by God's life. There is a freshness. What happens in the house of the Lord is we come and we bring our brokenness and we bring all the baggage and the damage being kicked around all week long and we come into the house of the Lord to be refreshed and refueled. God wants to give you fresh oil. Ever drive by a road sign that look like that? Every time you see it, you should pray. Like, Lord, I need it. I need fresh oil right here, right now in my life. I need refreshing. How many of you are exhausted? You're exhausted. I mean, because of what you did all week long. Hopefully this experience in the house of the Lord is fresh oil. Not only does it bring freshness, it brings flourishing. Look at verse 12. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree and grow like a cedar. They're planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of God. Flourishing talks about this life that flows out of you because of the life that is in you. It reminds me of Psalm 1 that talks about how a man who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on it day and night will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water and it, we, it yields fruit in its season and its leaf doesn't wither and everything he does, it prospers. Your life just flourishes. No matter what the trials and the heartaches and the money shortages is, at the deepest part of you, there's a calm, there's a joy, and there is life flourishing. Not only flourishing, but fruitfulness. We saw that. Look at verse 14. They still bear fruit in old age. Why do they bear fruit? Because their roots have been planted in the house of the Lord and it nourishes and feeds them. Spiritual fruit where you multiply yourself and you see what is listed in Galatians chapter five, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, all of those are the fruits of the spirit that are developed because of the root system that's planted in the house of the Lord. And if you don't see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, any of those, it's not a fruit problem. It's a root problem. Plant yourself deep. 
And notice the last one is faithfulness. Even in old age, they are ever full of sap and green. You know, there's something about sap, if you ever cut open like a green plant and it's, it's vibrant and it's alive, that sap just kind of oozes out, doesn't it? And it's sticky. That's the picture of an old man, an old woman. Maybe not as mentally sharp as they used to be. Maybe not as physically strong as they used to be. But as spiritually fruitful as ever. And that guy is sticky like sap. And we just tell people around here, go talk to that guy and maybe some of what's on him will stick to you and you will learn how to produce the fruit like that guy and that girl has been producing fruit all their lives. Can I ask you, are you planted in the house of the Lord or are you just skimming the surface? You just window shopping? Why don't you go deeper so you can experience the kinds of things that we just talked about? Let me ask you to bow your heads, eyes closed. How deep are you planted in the house of the Lord? What's your excuse? You say, man, I got nothing left to give. Maybe you're serving your guts out and the Lord would just affirm to you, you know what, there's spiritual fruit, there's faithfulness, rejoice in that. Rejoice in the work of the Lord. But could it be that your commitment to school, to sports, to career, to family, you've got a deeper commitment to those things than the things of the Lord? Why don't you open your heart to him and just tell him, Lord, I wanna go deeper with you I want to love what you love. I know you love your bride. Why don't you confess to him that maybe you've been afraid, maybe you've had a bad experience. Maybe there's a failure to trust him. Maybe it's an unwillingness to get dirty. Those that plant roots deep will get dirty. And they'll also produce the greatest fruit for the Lord. Lord, this morning we are grateful that we've sensed your presence. This is your house. and We wrap our lives around you and we proclaim that you are our rock. There is no unrighteousness in you. You're the cornerstone of this house that you're building. We're just living stones and God, we we come to stick together with other stones so that we could become that spiritual house. Would you fill our lives with fresh oil so that we can produce the fruit that rightfully belongs to you? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.